Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, every week we want to leave you with information that will change your life, help you in some way, personally, professionally, uh, give you some insights, give you some stories, and to, today is no exception. You know, uh, we have a guest who is a personal friend that I've known for many, many years who I really uphold with high esteem and also just appreciate, as, as I mentioned, a good friend. And so I just want to welcome to the show Stephanie Frank. Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Ken. It's so, so good to be here. And uh, yes, we have been friends for a long time. <laughs> well, we won't, tell, we won't tell the listeners how long. And one of the things that for the listeners to know, you are the author of the bestseller, The Accidental Millionaire, you know, very, very successful entrepreneur. Uh, we'll get into some of your background here in a bit uh, as well. And we met actually at a Mark Victor Hansen Robert Allen event back, I think, in 2000, 2001 or something like that. And just have stayed connected. You have been uh, a great supporter and attended the CRG training <laughs> more than once. Uh, using the personal style indicator, the values preference indicator, and we'll get into some of that as well. But before we jump into this, is I always give our guests an opportunity to just say, you know, who's Stephanie Frank? Where did she come from? What's a little bit of your background? So just give us your journey, Stephanie, of, you know, where you went in business. You were very successful when you were younger, but just give us a little bit of that journey and then, you know, authoring The Accidental Millionaire and then moving on to where you are today. Oh, sure. I'd love to, Ken. Thanks so much for asking. And for everybody who's listening, uh, thank you so much for taking your time and energy to spend with us today. I think this is going to be wonderful, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, my background is I have a very weird, Ken, uh, combination of skills. I started out in high-tech and technology, and uh, I started out, I was blessed to have been there when people like Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates were still trying to figure out uh, just what the computer industry or the personal computer industry was going to look like at the time. Uh, this was before networking and so on. And uh, I came up through the ranks in the computer networking arena, became an engineer and then a protocol analyst, and I've traveled all over the world as a, I guess you would say it in today's terms, a hacker for hire. And uh, that's, I spent the first 20 years of my career in very, very high tech doing that kind of work. Uh, I sold my technology company, Ken, to go into the area of helping other entrepreneurs with things like leadership, good decision making, and building companies. I mean, frankly, anybody can sit down, write down a few numbers, and do a marketing plan. And, uh, but you know what? When you're in a company or you're, you've got a fast-growing company like I did, you need to learn how to, how to make great decisions, how to be a good communicator, a good leader really very quickly. And I failed at that for quite a while and uh, got a lot better at it, and that's why my company uh, grew so quickly. So I left to move into the area of psychology, personal and professional development, and, at, and as you mentioned, uh, wrote a best-selling book, a couple of different books. And uh, that was, uh, gosh, that was 
believe it or not, Ken, that book has been republished now. It's about to be in its second or third, actually third republishing. It's going to be republished mm. next year again. And uh, because it really helped entrepreneurs, not just with the, you know, the, the, the standard things of building a business, but the ups and downs, the fears and worries and doubts and all of those things that are kind of taboo to talk about sometimes as an entrepreneur. But I just sort of let it all hang out there and thought, hey, you know, this is what the life of an entrepreneur is. It's up and down, and you have to be very, very resilient. So today, that's what, I've, that's what I do is I work uh, with all of those crazy skills, all of the technology, the psychology, the resilience, and the life skills, I put them all together and I write books and I teach people through e-learning, coaching, and consulting just how to become more successful, not unlike what you do. And, uh, and I use a lot of the CRG tools to help along the way. Well, thank you, Stephanie. And you know, when you think about, um, you know, we were just talking off-air before we turned on the recording about just how important, you know, understanding ourselves and understanding others is to any kind of successful communication. And that's why, you know, it's interesting, the long story being short, is that we, we met at this event and then you were really vetting, you know, are the CRG, CRG tools better <laughs> than some yeah. of the other ones that are out there? And, of course, here we are 15-plus years later, you, you've been using the personal style indicator whenever it applied to yourself, but also your teams that you work with. Well, and I'll remember one, uh, and, and share quickly, one thing that you said, and I think I overheard it. I don't even think you were talking to me, but you were talking maybe to somebody else. And we were, we were passing each other in the hall, and you said, your style is no excuse for your behavior. Mm. And that was a showstopper for me because <laughs> – a lot of that, that's exactly what I was looking for is no excuses behavior, but why? Why is this, does a certain behavior happen or not happen, or what is a person predisposed to? And that's kind of how I remember a lot of it's something that you said that really, really changed the course of my life. And of course, yes, like you said, I did have to go to school three times, but uh, who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Now, uh, we have all kinds of different steps because your uh, background is so eclectic, so unique. But what would be a couple of things that you have in the accidental millionaire in terms of ideas or strategies that would help for our audience as far as success in life? What would be two or three sort of tidbits that would come out of that work, out of the accidental millionaire? Well, there were a lot of them, but I'll tell you what, the overarching, the overarching concept is systemic. And in all of my work in, in technology, everything was about the system. What does the system do? You, you change a component of a system, you get a different result. And it's that way with emotion. It's that way with process and how, you know, how things actually get done. It's that way with numbers. Everything is a system. So if we start just by thinking about things that way, we can talk about pretty much anything from there, Ken, uh, on a kind of a hub and spoke sort of a thing. We, look, we all have to look at everything as a system. So let's say we start out with something that might seem a little fuzzy to people. There's, there's the obvious, you know, to make a sandwich, you get out two pieces of bread, you put the stuff in the middle, you butter the side, and you stick it together. That's a system. Mm-hmm. But, but what about when you think about things like overwhelm? You know, you go to work and you have a thousand things to do 
and you're kind of spinning in circles, oh my gosh, what do I do first, what do I do next, and then you get interrupted, and then you're not really sure how to get back. That is a process of overwhelm. And, when, and also when life situations start to overlap. So let's face it, we're holistic people, as you like to say, I do too. I mean, you're, you're, when you go to work, that doesn't mean that you just don't think about your personal life or your family or you know, other contexts in life. It's just people are human. So how do you deal with something like overwhelm as a system? And that's really what the Accidental Millionaire is all about, is how to break down both emotional and tactical things so that, it makes, so that you can kind of breathe, Ken, and go, mm-hmm. okay, here's what I do. Step one. So what, yeah. would be, what would be, sorry to interrupt, but what would be a couple of things I need to consider? Because I think this is an important piece around sort of managing. I mean, if I went to somebody and said, hey, you have a lot of extra time, there's nobody that's going to say that, right? So <laughs> how, how, do, how do I, what would be a couple of tips you could leave for the listeners around how I manage this overwhelm? What would be a couple of things, like practical things that you would recommend that I would do? Easy. So the first thing, Ken, is everything happens first with your thoughts. So the first thing is you must have a mindset that refuses to be overwhelmed. Because if you're living in the overwhelm, well, guess what? You're going to behave like you're in the overwhelm. If you think you are, you will be, guaranteed. I'm not saying well. Just let me clarify that. I want to understand that more. I mean, this is this is interesting, very interesting. I need to have thought that to actually puts me in a position that I don't think that I'm overwhelmed. Is that correct? Well, well, I don't mean to argue with yourself and say well, I'm not overwhelmed because then you just get in a conversation with yourself. Well, yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. What I what I'm saying is refuse. If you're noticing that, okay, I've got this to do and that to do, and your head's going crazy, you say, okay, stop it. I don't want this. I refuse it. It doesn't mean you solve the problem, but at least you've acknowledged it. That's step one. Mm. What would be the, the next one? That, what would be another item that I would do to <clears throat> manage this overwhelm or just all the stuff that's going on? I do this very regularly with, with my clients. Uh, the next step is depend, depends on how much time you have. If, mm-hmm. you've got, if you've got, say, 20 minutes, I tell people to do this. You take everything that's in your mind and you get it out of your head onto a piece of paper. Now, Ken, I like to do mind maps. Do you do, you do mind maps? Absolutely. Yeah, I love those things. So that, so that you can get your information out. Let's say your, a mind map is like a hub and a spoke, like I referenced uh, earlier. In the middle you just, of your piece of paper, you just simply draw a circle, and you say, what's on my plate? And from there, you draw out little spokes. What's going on at home? What's going on at work? Maybe you've got different projects at work. Maybe, you know, whatever context you're overwhelmed in, that's where you start. Get it all out onto a piece of paper. Phew. Okay. What is that? It still doesn't get you out of overwhelm, but it gets you definitely out of that spinning craziness where it's all in your head. Now it's on a piece of paper. And so you're emptying it so that your thoughts are not as consumed by that. Exactly. Well, that's excellent. And so, you know, for the listeners, I mean, one of the things that Stephanie is saying to you is that we have to take responsibility for our condition, correct? Absolutely. No one else will, Ken, as we all well know. But... (laughs) 
You so there are many who would like to blame others and create the victim mindset, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Is you can be a victim or you can be a victor, and you get to choose. And if you want to play the victim, then fine. Then that's exactly what you're going to be, and you're never going to get what you truly want behaving like a victim. But if you behave like a victor over yourself, I'm not talking about anybody else because, frankly, you've got no control over that. But if you say, in this case, overwhelm, no, I'm going to be victorious over overwhelm. Maybe I don't know how. Maybe I've got way too much on my plate. But the first thing is I'm going to refuse it. The second thing is I'm going to get it out of my head. The third thing, there's, there's two more uh, really simple things. The third thing is to take, those, take out of those things you wrote down, take the top three. What are the three things that are now, a lot of people will say the three most important things. Frankly, that requires a lot of thinking and prioritizing and all that. You don't have time for that. I say, what are the three things that are bugging you the most? Mm-hmm. It's emotional. Okay? I don't care if it's wrap a, wrap a gift for your sister for her birthday. If that's bugging you, then get it out of you. Go make it go away. So you take those top three things. And just deal with them. Well, yes and no, and here's why. I say yes and no. Now, wrapping a gift, yes, is a task. You can get it done in 15 minutes. But I've had people can come to me and say, okay, today I'm going to write a book, write a new paper, and reorganize my entire hard drive on my computer. Now, sure, no problem. Uh-huh. Exactly. Those are projects. <laughs> a project is something that cannot be done in 15 minutes, so you have to chunk it down into little 15-minute or maybe 30-minute increments. From there, Ken, you schedule it, and it will, in incremental ways, get you, number one, out of overwhelm, number two, make you feel very victorious over your to-do list, and it will set you up for success every single day. Uh, Very, very important. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, Stephanie, I'm sorry, I just have to add this narrative in. You know, doing a lot of coaching lately, I I am shocked by how many senior leaders and managers have no plan for the week. They just show up. You know, except for, okay, this is the weekly management meeting. They have nothing scheduled. Right, exactly. And that's why it's so important, the refusing, the overwhelm. It sounds really benign, and people, people listening, if you're listening, going, yeah, that's just, you know, wooey, crazy stuff. Well, let me tell you what. When you're in a constant state of overwhelm and your values are being violated, whatever that might be, let's say, like for me, I have a high value of independence. If I'm being told what to do or being pulled in 37 directions because it's somebody else's issue, I literally get and you and I both know about that mind-body connection. Mm. And if you're constantly going to work, like you just said, in this, well, whatever's going to happen, I'll just deal with it, you know, putting out fires kind of mode, that's not sustainable, and you will get sick. Maybe not now, but maybe later, when you really want to enjoy a little bit of peace and quiet. So why not set yourself up now and do what's right for you and refuse to be at the mercy of, in this case, your own brain. Absolutely. Now, one of the things, Stephanie, you just said is right for you. And, and um, I think for our audience, I, I know what you mean by that, is it's not being self-centered, 
But it's being self-honoring in the fact that I know myself and I know what works well for me. And I'll share this short story for the audience and for you is that in the last uh, three or four years, I've just tried to figure out where's the best place for me and time for me to do my personal workout. And I've discovered that I schedule it now. I'm very uh, dedicated to it. I almost never miss it. But it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody says, well, how can you do that? Aren't you working? I said, no, I own my own company. <laughs> and right. it was funny how even my own family was on my case. How can you do that? And I said, because this works for me. If I work out and then we have dinner at home between 5.30 and 6, guess what? I've finished my hour, hour and a half workout. I'm ready and I'm ready for dinner versus going to work out at 5, which then I force everybody else to eat later. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so, but I schedule it and it's, it works for me. I can do it because I own my own business. And to stop feeling guilty because everybody else says you're supposed to work from 8 to 5. Said, you know, that's so important. When I was in high school, I'm left-handed, and when I was in high school, I broke my wrist. And I was a senior, and I had to write the accounting. I was in accounting at the time, you know, like a mandated accounting class. And I had to write the exam on that little graph paper, you know, with the little squares and all that right. stuff. Well, my hand is in a cast. Now, here I'm left-handed. They say, well, you've got to write with your right hand. And I'm thinking, you know what? Now, if anybody listening <laughs> has ever had an experience of trying so hard to do something that you know you're not good at, this is something that is ingrained in us in a lot of the traditional schools. And this is an experience that I had is right hand. Okay, we well, have to write it right-handed. Well, I'm not right-handed. Well, then you have to be ambidextrous. Well, I can't do that. Mm. Well, so we went back and forth and back and forth. And I, you know, surprise, I, you know, w- was always in trouble in school for coming out with out-of-the-box creative ideas, which has served me very well in life, but not so well in school. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so one, finally one day I said, no, I will do a verbal exam. And they said, we don't do those. I said, well, we're going to have to find a way because my arm is in a cast. It's not that I don't want to, it's that I can't. And I think that that kind of thinking, you know, how can I make things work for me uh, so that I can be successful in the task that someone is giving to me or that I must do or whatever, uh, is such a critical, that creative thinking is such a critical way of being successful. Ken and I think not enough people do it. They they want to go by the rules, and someone else set the rules based on some other criteria that's probably not or may or may not be good for them. And that's why so many people at work and at home are are unsuccessful. They don't think for themselves. Or if they do, they get in trouble. Well, fair enough. And I'm not mm-hmm. uh, disagreeing that that can occur sometimes, mm-hmm. because a lot of times systems are set up because uh, the leaders there don't understand what versatility and flexibility does for the people there, which is a perfect transition. Because one of the things that I'm hoping, because I didn't check with you before we got onto the show here, Stephanie, I'm hoping you remember the work you did with that sales team where you were coaching a sales team and they could not, the, the sales manager could not get the team to be motivated or increase their performance until Stephanie mm. Frank came in and used the values preference indicator with that team and yep. understood the internal motivation of those people. So if you, if you have great recall, can you share with the audience 
how that single approach transformed that sales team's performance and, and made it way, way easier than the, the uphill battle that the sales managers had with that team. I absolutely can. Yeah, the, the sales went up by 50% in one day. And, uh, well, hang on, hang on. You just said 50% in one day. That is not day. possible, is it? It is. Well, it happened to, it happened to this company. And uh, overall, because of some of the, the CRG tools, primarily the values, that whole company, I worked with them for 18 months, and that overall, over that 18-month period, because of style and values and obviously some implementation assistance, that company grew by 300%. Yes. Wow. And so what, it, what was it that you did, so did do? with the values to help this team kind of go? Because this really links back to what we just said. Yeah. About yeah. Do you know yourself to be able to make decisions that fit you? Are you even yep. comprehending what that means? Well, so, here's what happened. Here's what happened with that company. It was a call center. They had 85 salespeople in the call center. And sales were yeah, sometimes up, sometimes down. Nobody knew why. The, uh, the, the owner, the senior management, basically said to the sales management, all right, I want you to go in every single morning, and I want you to have a rah-rah, you know, let's go team kind of, kind of meeting. And, I, and they asked me what I could do to help with sales. And I said, all right, Let's first of all, I want to hear this meeting. So it was just like that. Come on, you guys. We're going to go make a ton more money. Let's go make this all this money. And it was all money focused. And I said, okay. And I went through to everyone, all 85 of those people, and I asked them one question. And that question was, what's most important to you about your job? And out of those 85 people, 72 of them said helping people. Not making money, helping people. I took wow. that information. Mm-hmm. I took that information, went back to the sales manager, and I said, I want you to still have your you rah rah meeting, but tomorrow what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to ask them to imagine how many people they can actually help today. And he did that, and he said, hey, you guys, this is going to be such a great day. We're going to make money. And now that dealt with the other the people that weren't the 72, okay? They were, right. were money motivated. We're going to make so much money. And can you just imagine how many people we're going to help today? That's all I did. That's, that was a motivator. And it went to their value of service or their value uh, in this case, of they, they called it helping people. So I just went, I know that's not your terminology, but I just went with what they said. And you know what? That absolutely, um, like I said, increased their sales by 50% in one day. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. It, and isn't it interesting, um, you know, how far away was that solution? How far away? What do you mean? Well, you well the reach? solution was right there. I mean, oh, this yeah, was yeah. not overwhelmingly difficult. And what happens is sales managers really had no idea that that there are many people who are not motivated by, you know, another click on the commission percentage. Correct, correct. And then we went on, Ken, I don't know if you know this part or not, but I went on to look at all of their sales scripts and to modify their sales scripts based on the general characteristics of each of the style preferences and their sales 
stabilized and, and even went up from there. Wow. And so when you were adjusting the scripts, it was it, give us an example of sort of generally what you were doing there. What were you attempting to do, and what did you do? Well, you know, let's let's say for example a uh, a, a person with a high uh, a high cognitive preference really appreciates quality. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. So instead of instead of saying something like you're really going to love this because it's going to be exciting, I would change words. I would change that to, you're really going to love this because of the quality of construction. Absolutely. To appeal to the customer's buying style. Exactly, which your sales preference indicator does. Mm -hmm. And so we get clear about that, and that means I also need to understand what my preferences are because I'll tend to, um, regardless of scripts, but I'll tend to kind of move towards what I'm like instead of, of what course. necessarily the buyer's like. Of course. And they became, these salespeople became, and I've done this with numerous group sales groups, but they became fascinated. It was almost like a game. Can we figure out what their preference is and match it? You know, and I think I did tell him at one at one point. This is sort of like Monopoly. You know, you'll, if you, if you get it right, you'll get the hotel and you'll get the jackpot or something like that. But oh, that's but, right. Well, that's <laughs> kind of cool. Where you actually sort of uh, gamified this long before everybody talked about gamification. As I guess, yeah, just had some yeah. fun, and that is that creative expressive side of you that uh, that's right there's no way you ever should be a programmer based on your profile uh, but you are isn't that funny actually I'm not a programmer surprisingly enough but I'm a great troubleshooter boy give me give me a pile of information I can handle it but give me one little thing to do and no (laughs) yeah so you're bringing that all together now, this is not public knowledge, but I, I wanted to – you wrote a book that you haven't published yet with mm-hmm. our good colleague and friend, Dr. Ray William. And, yeah. so, uh, and that, was, that book has got a working title of Chaos to Calm. Yeah. So what, is, what did you write in that book that you know, hopefully will come out soon? Now that this is public on air on Secrets of Success, <laughs> you're going to have to publish it. But what were a couple of things? I mean, we talked about this already in the show about people feeling overwhelmed. And we have chaos in life uh, in, yeah. in moving people to calm. What are a couple more strategies did you have in that book uh, that will help our listeners as far as bringing calm and bringing sort of chill or bringing stability into their business and life? Sure. Well, the working title of that book is called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. So it is our 13-step coaching program that basically helps people find a blueprint for themselves. That's the, the, the first section of the book is all about that. So it's the emotional blueprint, their style, their values, uh, the, all of the things that make up that particular, uh, the, the makeup of that person. Then the next part is basically, so the first part is who are you. The second part is how are you behaving. These are uh, strategies for building systems for communication and, and even things like goal setting and proper calendaring and proper time management and very tactical, uh, practical ways of being in the world. 
And then the third section is all about how you inter interact or relate with other people. So it's about communication, leadership, and we top it all off with uh, mindfulness and happiness, which of course is really the, 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 the top of the mountain or really what people are wanting to achieve is that peaceful, happy state of mind. So the book goes through, they're all processes for each one of those really big topics. We break them down. Well, awesome. I mean, I, you know, you start off with everything that we've always believed, <clears throat> excuse me, at CRG, is I can't do anything if I don't know myself. Right. Uh, and in, you know, this is Dr. Wayne Dwyer's quote, but, you know, in self-awareness, self-awareness, everything is possible. So if I'm not even conscious of what my values are, or not conscious of my style, then how could I even make decisions about it? Interesting, Stephanie, I was just reading research about mindfulness and mm. how important it is. And, you know, sometimes there are certain people with certain belief systems, they don't like the word mindfulness, but we could use the word uh, being relaxed, being calm, as you talked about before. But mm -hmm. just the significant amount of physical, emotional, uh, uh, biophysical benefits of just actually being here now. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some yeah. of those about that you know that you, you know, cited in your book around being mindful or being present now? What's, what's the benefit of actually getting to that stage, getting to that level or embracing that skill? Well, well the benefits are, are many. Uh, I think if you look at it from, from different types of levels from an emotional perspective, I mean, just imagine what would it feel like if you're not living by or driven by the ups and downs and ups and downs of your emotion. I mean, these are the things that cause road rage. These are the things that cause, I mean, look at what's happening in the world right now. There are things just, well, every day people driven strictly by that emotion. And that causes, as I said before, the thoughts, then the emotions. It causes chain reactions into the body at the cellular level that causes disease, that causes uh, 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 disruption, of course, in the body, and all kinds of things where, let's say, yeah, something as simple as you're worried about work and you're emotional about the overwhelm. Let's just bring it back to where we were. So now you can't sleep. Well, now you wake up tired and worried. Okay, now you try to function on that, but you're at a diminished capacity. And now you sleep in because you were up half the night and so you don't have time for breakfast. Now your physical body is, is being attacked again because you're worried, well, you don't have time. Now you're rushing, and now you don't have time for breakfast. As you can see, the cycle goes on and on and on, and pretty soon your body just gives out. And your body is a machine, and we abuse the body so much, and the body can go through amazing things, but uh, that's, that's one of the things that happens. I mean, it's a, I just talked to you about a lot of things that happen when you aren't mindful, when you aren't careful and cautious and not quick to judgment but slow to react. Um, and I'm not talking about in every single situation. I mean, if a car, there's an oncoming car coming in traffic and you have to swerve and adrenaline's going to happen and you have to deal with that. I'm talking about on a, you know, 90% of the time that there aren't, so many things that are so important that would be uh, that, that you couldn't be mindful about it. And I'm, I'm trying to think right now. Um, 
uh, Susie Welch wrote a book called 10, 10, 10. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. I'm not. I don't recall it. It was a wonderful concept, and it was it was slightly in the area of mindfulness of if what I'm about what what is happening right now is it going to matter in 10 minutes, in 10 months, or in 10 years? And it's a really good way to kind of gauge, you know, what's happening right now. A lot of things that we think are so important, it's not going to matter in 10 minutes. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's all part of mindfulness. Mm. And just really trying to bring some perspective to it. You know, it's interesting. We had uh, Les Hewitt, the power of focus mm-hmm. on the show. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about there's no such thing as, even though all of us like to believe, there's no such thing as multitasking. Right. And uh, right. it's, it is genetically and biophysically impossible. Yeah, I could have multiple projects, but I can't work on more than one at a time. And what an interruption does to our brain and mm-hmm. what an interruption does to our flow and our ability to produce. And now, I mean, Stephanie, if we go back even 20 years ago, this whole, bo- whole mobile interruptive culture mm. didn't exist. And, exactly. And what's happened is we're now controlled by those items. And the average person checks their phone 100 to 200 times a day well, that's a lot of interruptions as part of it. Well, you know, I sure appreciate all these insights. And then, Stephanie, you know, before we got on the air, you shared really a personal journey that you recently went through. And, and uh, we've agreed, so everybody listening, we've agreed in advance that we'll talk about it briefly. And the reason I want to talk about this, Stephanie, is that, you know, you went through a real uh, personal journey in the last couple of years to the point where uh, the doctor said you had two months to live. Yes. And uh, one of the things that you said to me off air before we got here is that you had to make a decision. You know, it, it was personal. We don't need to get into the details about how that drove you to that place or all the factors that came to that. We'll keep that private. But it was this accumulation and uh, you know this private scenario that was unfortunate. But you got into this place where I said, you know what, Stephanie Frank, you have two months to live. Tell us about what you went through. At that very moment, you said you had to make a decision. And the decision, and here we are now, vibrant, clean bill of health, uh, doing well, mm-hmm. there are many people who are listening who have maybe not that kind of dramatic situation, but they have crossroads. They have decisions to make. They have uh, situations where they're not sure. They've lost hope, I guess is the word. So Absolutely. Just, so I know, Stephanie, I know this, and I'm actually getting emotional because, you know, I care for you a lot as a friend. But um, just tell us about that moment where, you made a decision and what you did to come to where you are now. Uh, I am thrilled to share because, yes, it, it is, you know, ha- being told something like that obviously is an extremely dramatic uh, situation. I really don't want to focus on the drama of it because 
like you said, everybody gets to a crossroads at some point with some situation and or many, maybe multiple situations and you kind of wonder, and yeah, I've, I got to a crossroads and I have to, you know, I almost have to circle back to those fundamental values, conversations that you and I have had for so long. You know how much I believe in the values and and how we use it at, or don't use it if we're unconscious to it as a guidepost. And one of the things that I do know, and I've helped thousands of people with alignment of values and getting people in going into the right direction, and I was a walking billboard for what not to do at that point. And what had happened was I was going against my top three values and remember before, I mean, a little bit ago, I said, you know, if you, if, you can, if you do that, Ken, you will get sick. And I was going against everything that motivated me. And so it's like, you know, trying to write the right-handed test when I'm left-handed and trying to make it right and trying to make it right and trying to make it right. And it wasn't going to be right. And... That's a whole different discussion about a human being need to be right, but that's where I was. And until, you know, you've probably heard the term for before you can have a breakthrough, you have a breakdown. And I was physically and literally having a breakdown but, and knowing full well that I was going every day against the three values that mattered to me the most in life. The re- and so people would say to me, well, why didn't you get out of that situation? Why didn't you just... It's because I didn't, I really didn't know what to do. And mm-hmm. even if I did know what to do, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And mm-hmm. that's where people get really stuck. That's where I got stuck. And, and it is such a dichotomous thing. It's like, well, I know I need to change the situation. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. But, and then there's this big but. And so I really spent... Uh, actually, a lot of time thinking about not not the three values so much because I already knew that they were they were being invalidated, and therefore, if I were to be able to validate them again, that I would become uh, I would become full and vibrant and healthy again. Um, but it was. I just want to more... stop for a second, Stephanie, and mm-hmm. with your permission. Yeah. I just want to take uh, fifteen seconds and help the listeners understand the personal situation just a little bit so they have context. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah, and that is that Stephanie was in a personal situation that was physically, mentally, and verbally abusive so that people understand where was this coming from to say, okay, I need to get out. I need to kind of do these different things. Mm -hmm. But the condition of that condition or that environment, pardon me, contributed to the entire emotional, physical, and breakdown of Stephanie Frank. Exactly. Okay, yeah, so, conti- exactly. so continue. So I just, I just thought we needed that for clarity so that they understood the context about how did Stephanie get there? Why didn't she just decide? Yeah, so. great. Yeah, that's great. I wasn't sure how much you wanted me to share. So that's wonderful, and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to, to do that because uh, there are a lot of people in the situation that I, that I was in. And so... You know, the, the uh, moving, moving forward out of that was a, an extremely difficult, one of the hardest decisions that I ever had to make was leaving a relationship that was, that was like that because 
you don't, I mean, let's, let's face it, Ken, I mean, you don't go into a relationship and then something bad happens, like physically bad or somebody hits you or whatever. You, when it's brand new, you turn around and you go, oh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. But when it's chipped, when you're chipped away, chipped away, chipped away over a period of months and days and years and weeks and more years and, and year after year after year then, um, you get to a point where you just are too weak to, have, to find that strength that you used to have unless you get, begin to go out of it by creating a plan and chunk, it's funny that we started this thing with overwhelm because that's exactly how I felt. It's like I knew what I needed to do, but it was so overwhelming to leave and where am I going to live and what are my finances going to look like and what am I going to do for work and, 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 and. And so where we started is ironic because the overwhelm, I used exactly the, the formula that I told you at the beginning. I said, no, I'm not going to be overwhelmed. I have to make this very difficult decision to leave. And I wrote a plan, and I chunked it down, and I put everything on a mind map. And I said, okay, today, what are the, you know, the three things that I have to do today? And little by little by little, while I was in the hospital and then while I was recovering and while I was getting, starting to become a little bit stronger, I could do a little bit more and a little bit more. And it, it got me to a place where I was able to leave the relationship, re-up all of my, my uh, certifications, restart my business, get a divorce, get back on my feet. I, I now have, believe, I can, the, the amount of, of wonderfulness that's happening because I took those steps is now overwhelming in a super good way. And I, again... I have to chunk it down. My publisher actually has three books they want me to publish, not just one. And I've got interviews and radio and TV and all kinds of things coming up. So that overwhelm, how we started, Ken, I think it's such an important piece for everybody who's experiencing, whether it's a situation that you deem bad or a situation you deem good, the process is exactly the same. And that's what I really want people to understand because we all have very dramatic situations, maybe not near-death experiences, and I hope nobody ever has to experience that. And it must be my systemic, you know, technology brain that says, okay, if you're going against your top three values, whoever's listening right now, if you know what's important to you and you're not getting it, you will get sick. And I've seen it happen, and and it happened to me over and over again. I've seen it happen. And it's amazing, and, you know, Stephanie, you know how much I appreciate your authenticity and vulnerability on on this show, and I'm sure there are many people who are listening. You know, and we're a professional development show, but you know what? Every single person listening, you could be a professional, but you're all personal. And we all have stuff. We all have things that we're going through at one level or another, uh, and I am no exception. We might teach this stuff, but <clears throat> as you have a great story now, of course, not that that was your quest, <laughs> Stephanie, by any means. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, yeah, I went through that so I could write a book. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we have a sense of humor together. But Stephanie, you used a couple of words uh, that, we, that I just want you to touch upon, and we have about five or eight minutes left, but around... And those two words was how you shifted your mindset 
And then the other one was really this, this concept of resilience in spite of sort of where you were at and what's going. So what could you share with the listeners about those two sort of characteristics, qualities for people to embrace going forward in life and being successful in life? Well, starting with shifting the mindset, um, give me some, there's a lot of, of stuff I could talk about on that. Give me some context with, that, uh, that your listeners would like to hear about. Shifting mindset around what? Well, you were, you were in a situation where you were told that you have two months to live. You, uh, had, yeah. you had the choice to receive that. In spite of the best intention of the doctors, they were just trying to tell you what their medical information said. They told you the facts, not the truth which many people don't understand what that means, is the truth is what your mind's going to set up. So how did you do the shift from, okay, I'm going to accept what medical doctors have told me to a full recovery? How did you shift that? Well, this is going to sound a little bit strange maybe to some people, but going, everything we've talked about is a tool that I use uh, along the way. So that quietness, stillness, mindfulness, Checking in with your gut. I don't care what you want to, whatever you call it. Meditation, talk with God. I don't care. Whatever it was, I I had the ability because I was in a hospital bed and literally being told these things. And I, then they would walk out of the room, and I it would be nothing but me in the room. And I thought, well, I can sit here. I have a choice. Uh, and that's the thing when I said at the very beginning, refuse to be overwhelmed. You always have a choice about how you're going to think about something. And I thought, I have a choice. And you go through these, well, no, I don't, because these are doctors, and you're not a doctor, and, da, 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 and all this self-talk. And I just made a choice to shut that self-talk up because this was life and death. And I didn't have time to sit there and reconcile with that little blah, blah, whatever it was on my shoulder. So I made the choice, and the choice was, okay, this is what the fact is. What does my body say? Do I feel like I have two, three months to live? Well, obviously I felt horrible at the time. Is it true? And through that mindfulness, quietness, the answer very quietly came, no, it's not true you have more to do in this world. You have more life left. You have more things that, uh-huh. that uh, are required. And that was so confusing because, you know, frankly, I was kind of prepared for a no. Yeah, or, or, or a yes, it's true, excuse me. I was prepared for a yes, it's true. You should really make sure you've got your wills and everything in order, which we did, I did do. Um, but there was that nagging. You know how you just know sometimes? Uh-huh. Most people don't follow that, and yet you have that inner guidance. You all, everybody listening has it. So like I said, at the risk of sounding kind of woo-woo and weird, most people don't follow their inner guidance. They try to think it through. I wasn't trying to think. I was just trying, trying to be. To, to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was the mindset is just questioning everything. And I learned how to read reports, and I learned how to, you know, and, and I was blessed because for the prior almost 10 years, I'd been a huge advocate for my mother who's been in and out and in and out and had lots and lots of medical issues. So I knew I had to ask a lot of questions. And anybody who's dealing with that right now, 
I've, I've watched way too many people just be at the mercy of, quote, the expert, and the expert sometimes is wrong. So that was the first thing about mindset is, is really asking, the, asking questions and looking for inner guidance. Mm. And then how does, how does resilience fit into that, and, and what does that really mean for you? Well, resilience or bouncing back or, um, you know, for a lot of people it means, well, just stay positive. Well, I can guarantee you I was not feeling positive, <laughs> okay? Uh, I am a generally happy person, but th- at that moment uh, I got this, you know, this answer that was, yes, you have, you're, you're, um, you're going to stay, you've got more things to do, um, that the, the you know the doctors aren't correct. Be be cautious, but start moving forward and start making your plan. And again, going through the same concepts that I have already talked about in a really this is a, in a really big issue. That resilience uh, simply is again a decision to move forward in the face of adversity. Resilience simply means bouncing back from something that you deem to be um, bad, basically. Mm. And so it's the same process. I just, I, I'm talking today in kind of in circles, Ken. I don't know if people are listening and going, hey, she's saying the same thing. Just one time she talked about it being time management. Now she's talking about life or death. It's kind of the same system. So the resilience is the same. I refused to be confused, first of all, about what's next. I decided to be okay with not knowing. And I got into that space every day. Okay, what's today? What does today look like? What is, and there was a point where it was every 15 minutes. What is this 15 minutes? <laughs> what is here in this 15 minutes? Um, I, so I don't know if that, if that makes sense sense during, or about what you're, where you wanted me to go with that, but that's essentially, you know, what the result Well, it's, it's recorded was. and it's on there now, so everybody's listening yeah. to it as we speak. It's, it <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, we like to have some fun on this, even though this is a very um, sort of intense uh, personal story of yours. One of the things I just want to bring back for everybody is, that you said is that no matter what, I mean, one of our favorite books, I think you know it as well, is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, right? Is sure. that every single person, no matter what condition you're in, has a choice. Yes. You have a choice about how you want to respond. And it's interesting that you were talking about, okay, how I choose to respond and how am I practicing my response? And, you know, are people practicing hopelessness or are they practicing victory? You know, am I, mm-hmm. your, your comment, am I a victim or am I a victor? Right. And that is a choice. And so a lot of people say, well, uh, and I want to use your story, Stephanie, you weren't out of your hospital bed, you were still there, but you had chosen to be a victor. And what most people don't understand is that victory actually requires two qualities, which are persistence and patience. Mm-hmm. And that's persistence and patience, really, the net result is resilience. And it's in really small steps. You know, the hospital food, it wasn't really good <laughs> when I was there. 
And one of the things I was really persistent about is making friends with a nurse who would bring me fresh salads and fresh food. And she would, she would come in and, and say, I brought, I brought you oranges from the nurse's station. Great. Anything fresh. And I was so persistent. Can somebody bring me better salad? Can it, you know, and, and some days that was my victory for the day is I got some fresh fruit or some fresh food. And, uh, well, congratulations on becoming an overcomer. And I just want to encourage listeners that if Stephanie can do this, and we didn't really go into all the background uh, deeply, and we don't need to, is that anybody can. Uh, And so, you know, thank you for your story, your story of victory. And here you had been this successful personal professional development expert, and you really had to go through your own teachings true in a big way your your own process your own system mm-hmm. uh you know using all the stuff that you had an accidental millionaire or or your other books or i mean you've written for ink magazine as well mm-hmm. uh, uh just amazing so thanks stephanie for that oh thank you for having me on here today and this was this was so wonderful you know for people who are listening at least this conversation was not scripted and uh, so I hope that you, that you got a lot out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you'll put some of these things into practice in your own life in a, in a small and understandable way that makes sense to you that you can say at the end of the day, you know what, I maybe didn't get everything done today that I really wanted to, but I got three things done, and that's success. And that's setting you up every day for uh, the best parts of your life and the most successful parts. So thank you, Ken, for having me today. Well, thank you, Stephanie. And Stephanie, if people wanted to get a hold of you or find out about your story or learn more about your services, where might they go? Sure. You can just go to my website at www.stephaniefrank.com. And so stephaniefrank.com, just as we said, F-R-A-N-K is the last uh, words as far as last name. Stephanie, I think most people know that it's the P-H-A uh, one, not the F. <laughs> so, right. And so make sure we have... N-I-E. Right. Yeah, exactly is that. And then Stephanie will respond to individuals and as I you know, started the show is that we've been friends for a long time and so I just endorse your work. Thank you and appreciate you as a colleague, as a friend. Uh, and just uh, thankful that you are here with us and not, you know, you made the choice. You made the choice to kind of uh, continue your work because you're still here to make a difference, and I encourage everybody for doing that the same way. So thanks for being with us, Stephanie. Oh, Ken, thank you for having me today, and I feel the exact same way about you, and thank you for all of the great work that you do with and for people. Okay, well, thank you. Well, everybody, this has been the Secrets of Success podcast. And so as we end most of the shows, you know, I just thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, if this has been of value, then please share it, pass it on. Do If it's in Facebook, if it's LinkedIn, if it's in iTunes, if it's in SoundCloud, wherever it is that you found this link, then we just sure, certainly appreciate you passing it on to your friends so that they, so this show in a small way can make a difference in their life. If you're interested in any of the tools that Stephanie and I talked about from CRG, then crgleader.com and you can take the personal style or values preference indicator. Uh, As always, uh, we thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keith. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. 
If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.